0: Hey, thanks for listening Keep up with our latest shows, articles, and more When you download the W.O.V.U. app That's W.O.V.U. 95.9 FM And make sure to keep up with the station Where our voices are united It is now time for Freedom Talk With the Rev. Dr. Jawanza Kareem Lightfoot Coven Enjoy One day when the glory comes. Happy New down. Year, and you are listening it'll to Freedom Talk down. Radio. I'm your host, the Reverend Jawanza oh. Kareem Coven, and it is 2021, and I wanna wish each and every one of you a strong. happy new year and tell you that Freedom we'll Talk be. Radio is back. That's right, Freedom Talk Radio is back on the air. I hope each and every one of you had a restful, a meaningful, and a wonderful holiday. It was great to be away, but I am so glad to be back on the air with you. So to each and every one of you, God bless you Assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you Shalom Namaste May the Lord be with you That's right Freedom Talk is back We're back after taking Needed time off But let me tell you We are back to talk about The issues that are important In our community And there is a lot To talk about in our community If you've been paying attention To the news Locally, nationally, internationally There is so much going on on but first but first, before we even do that i've got to thank all the folks at wovu, W-O-V-U which has been holding it down for the last several weeks while wow, a number of people were enjoying their vacation we had people in this station making sure that you were hearing good information being entertained being informed Everything that's necessary to make community radio at its best. That's right, WOVU.org, WOVU 95.9 FM, the WOVU app, Our Voices United. This is what we do, and we are back to do it for you for another year. You know what our goal here on Free to Talk Radio is? It's what it is each and every week. It is to educate, to elevate, to motivate and to liberate. And I promise you, we're going to do that again. This go around, just as we did in 2020, 2020 is gone. 2021 is here and we're going to do it just like we always do. We're going to talk, talk strong. We're going to talk truth and we're going to tell it like it is. Freedom Talk Radio, educate, elevate, motivate and to liberate. Want to educate our brothers and sisters what's going on. We want to elevate the conversation at a level, give some critical insight, some opinion and some analysis. We want to motivate our brothers and our sisters listening to make some critical decisions that are important for them and their community and their family. And we want to help liberate. But like I always say, no one can liberate you. You have to liberate yourself. What we can do is give you information. We know the information is power. We are the ones that we have been waiting for. That's right. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. And so I'm just glad to be back. I'm glad to have this opportunity and it is just a joy to be able to have this form, to be able to have this important dialogue and discussion with you and share this information with my brothers, my sisters in the listening audience. Now, you don't know normally what we try to do from time to time on Freedom Talk. We try to give a word of the day. We haven't been doing the word of the day as recently. We've kind of been jumping into the topics But we have been doing words of the day from time to time. And so, you know, what I've done is now I don't do words of the day each and every week, but I do it when I think it's important and when I think it's relevant. Right. And so the word of the day for this first new segment of 2021 Freedom Talk Radio, the word of the day is change. That's right. The word of the day is change. 2020. I'm not even gonna call your name anymore last year matter of fact i'm not even gonna call 2020 by its proper name i'm just gonna call 2020 last year last year is gone last year is out the door now we know we are dealing with some of the same issues and some people say listen it's a flip on the calendar but we're dealing with the same stuff that's right it is very much true but we know that this year 2021 we know based on what is coming. That change is afoot. So normally you're right. It is not a new year if it is not a new you. I say that each and every uh, new year at the Olivet Institution Baptist Church, where I've had the distinct honor and privilege of pastoring for for a number of years, more than a decade. And I'll say that a new year is nothing without a new you. And so at a personal level, you got to have a right mindset. you got to go in with a certain perspective, knowing what your goals and your objectives are. You know, we talk a lot about New Year's resolutions. And if you're in the New Year's resolutions, I hope you have not given it up just yet. We just were only a few days in, but it is important to be able to look at yourself, be very honest, take some accountability, say, listen, this is what I'm going to do to impact change in my own life now. I would also say that that can initiate change in you, even with the decision that you make that and that doesn't have to happen with a new day. That can happen with a new choice. That can happen with a new decision that you've made. That can happen with a new mind, new perspective. You can do that at any moment. But on this calendar flip from last year to 2021, we know change is coming and i'm just going to lift a couple of those things that we know change is coming now we are deal- still dealing with the coronavirus the coronavirus is reaping havoc it is reaping havoc we we see well over 300 i think it's three hundred twenty-five thousand people who have already died from the virus may they rest in peace may their living be remembered and their death not be in vain we also know that just yesterday there were about 3,700 deaths, which is the num no- the most that we've had in this country. We know that the hospitalizations is on the rise and we haven't even yet gotten through the numbers that possibly would have come because of people who had New Year's um, New Year's gatherings, not wearing a mask. and I hope everyone celebrated Christmas and New Year's responsibly. But we know that's a reality that everyone is not taking this as seriously as others and everyone not being a good stewards of themselves or our community. And we gotta continue to educate our brothers and sisters to the importance of doing that. But this is all happening while we know that there is a vaccine, matter of fact, four vaccines. we talk talked about this on Freedom Talk Radio. There are four vaccines that have been approved by the Food and Drug Administration and should be now being distributed into our communities. But we're seeing that there is a challenge in the pipeline of getting the number of vaccines into the community at a rate that can really move us toward getting back to some degree of normalcy. And we've seen that already. And also we're hearing about a new variant of the covid uh, virus virus. In places like London, now it's coming to the United States, Florida, Texas, and other parts of the country with this new variant, which is still influenced by the vaccine, or the vaccine still can neutralize that that variant of the virus. However, it is six or seven times more contagious. And so we're at this place where there's a lot of things that are happening at the same time, right? At one level, you've got things are seem to be getting worse, but you see the prospect of things getting getting better. And it's kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It's only a question of how dim or how bright you think the light is, right? That's kind of where we are. And so that's a change that we. it may get a little darker as it relates to this virus, but we do have the prospect of, of some solution. And again, we've talked about this on Freedom Talk. We've got to have some conversations about these vaccines. There's a lot of concern in our community is a lot justifiably so. And we want to make sure that people are informed, people are educated and people can make the best decision that they need to make for their health and trust the science Based on what you're reading, based on the credibility of those who are providing it. And I'm trusting the scientists. On this one, I'm trusting the scientists. I'm trusting the the black physicians, black researchers, black public health officials, many of whom themselves have participated in the trials. And I'm going to trust the science. And I think that this is going to be a part of what it's going to be uh, of necessity within our community, at the community based level, at the elect level of our public officials at the church level, community organizations, because we have got to make sure that people are making the best decisions in light of their family, in light of the future that we want to have, because the sooner that we can squelch this virus, the sooner we can get back to begin getting our kids in school We can get back to being in churches We can get back to socializing We can get back to enjoying each other Spending time Maybe having some semblance of a summer, fall, or winter uh, Because I don't want to have another Thanksgiving Like the one we had I don't want to have another Christmas like the one we had I don't want to have another New Year's Like the one that we had I want to get back to some semblance of normalcy And the only way we can do that And we've got we've got to squelch this virus, and the only way that we can do that is wear masks. You know, if everybody just wore a mask, we wouldn't even necessarily have to um, be emphasizing this vaccine as much as we need to. But there are those that just don't want to accept the science of the reality of the virus. They don't want to accept the science of the vaccine. They don't want to accept the science of mask wearing. And because they are just anti-science that they are only making this situation worse for themselves and worse for each and every one of us. But we can't. Dismiss, we can't disregard because we all share, breathe the same air. We all live on the same planet and we are all part of the same country. And we have got to work with each other, communicate with each other, try to convince one another because what affects one of us, in the words of Dr. King, in, um, directly affects all of us indirectly. So we know that the coronavirus is real, but not only is that change and we hope the prospect of change in Beating this virus is on the horizon for 2021, but we know that a new administration is on tap. That's right. On January the 20th of this year, there will be a new administration in Washington, a new president. There will be a new Congress. And yes, there will be a new Senate. That's right. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. That's right. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia delivered on last night with two one solid projected win for the Reverend Raphael Warnock my friend my brother my morehouse brother my my brother in King in the Kingian prophetic tradition I'm so glad to see uh him win in georgia and let me tell you something i've been telling this to my some friends and colleagues people who don't know reverend warnock there is not a better person that we can trust to fight for the future for our children the the health of our environment for the wages for our workers for justice in our criminal justice system, who will speak truth with power, with love and compassion in the best of the Kingian tradition. And when I talk about the Kingian tradition, I'm talking about the Martin Luther King tradition. This brother practices what he preaches. He is not only a good preacher, he is a good Preacher. I mean, he is a good man, a solid man, and I he is he is the best of us when I'm talking about people who are on the front lines, speaking truth to power, and embodying what we mean when we're talking about the prophetic black church, progressive Christianity, the best of the tradition of doing justice and loving mercy. I am so personally happy. And I am, I've sent my personal congratulations to him, but I am also happy for the people of this country and the future of this country going forward, at least the next two years and what we can accomplish. And in another race, John Ossoff is leading right now with 98% of the vote in, in Georgia. And so the prospect of us having the majority in the Senate, having the House, having, and the presidency with President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris. We are in a good position to finally move an agenda forward that can advance this country toward Something that Dr. King called the beloved community, the beloved community, a more perfect union, a country that is true to what it wrote on paper. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And women endowed by their Creator With certain inalienable rights among them Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness So let me tell you Change is afoot in Washington Change is afoot in this country There are a lot of things that we need to talk about But we're going to talk about The prospect of what this means Here in Ohio What this means around the country And what this means for us For us each and every day As we try to build a better way For you for I and for our children. This is Freedom Talk Radio. We are back. We'll be right back to When the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. And we are back. This is Freedom Talk Radio. I'm your host, the Reverend Juwanza, Kareem Coven, and we are back not only on the air. We are back from a break. We are back with new energy. We are back in the saddle. And let me tell you, I want to talk. I got to talk about this victory in Georgia. I got to talk about what this means for us. And we've talked about this a little bit in previous shows. And we're going to go down. Now, there are a lot of things we got to talk about in this Forum freedom talk. There's a lot we need to talk about. A lot going on in the state of Ohio here in the city of Cleveland, and I can give you a rundown to a couple of things we we've got to talk about, and we will if not uh, next week, the week following. We we've got to talk about the major victory of Greater Cleveland congregations and the work of many in this county. To bring about a major shift in the way community criminal justice and policing is done in this community. And I am talking about the establishment of a diversion center, one of the first in the state of Ohio. That is a major significant victory is a major significant shift and pivot to the way we do criminal justice in this county. It is a singular accomplishment of of last year, considering all of the challenges we've had with that jail, all the talk of reform. We are going to talk about it on this show, what we did, how we did it, why it's important and other changes that need to be made. But we're going to discuss that. Diversion Center, because that's that's. What change looks like People do a lot of talking Some we've been working on For about four or five years We never gave up It's going to be done It wasn't done by GCC alone A lot of folks Leaders, civic leaders Elected officials Making this happen Committed to making it happen But it's done it's Going to divert Almost A thousand people a year Out of that jail Several hundred people a month out of that jail toward treatment, toward keeping them away from incarceration and keeping them out of those cells and allowing people to get the help that they need. This is significant. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about. We've got to talk about Mike DeWine, Governor DeWine and his signing of this stand your ground bill into law. We got to talk about that. We got to talk about that and make no doubt about it. When we talk about leadership, that there has been a conversation uh, at a national level of Mike DeWine, Governor DeWine's leadership on the coronavirus and people, some people think there's a great job. Some people said considering the failure at the national level The bar is not that high, so anything looks like leadership in light of what we've been lacking in Washington and in the executive branch. But with respect to responding to violence, the mass shootings in Dayton, people calling for major reforms as relates to guns and gun safety in this state. Signing the stand your ground bill into law was not what people expected, and the stand your ground law was the same law that was used as defense in F- Florida in the murder of Trayvon Martin, it's the same defense that was used in Florida. For Trayvon Trayvon Martin. And now it has now been, it has now been visited upon us in Ohio. And I, I remember, I remember standing with um the mother of Jordan Davis, who was now in Congress in Columbus, speaking against the Stand Your Ground bill, because her son. Her son, Jordan Davis, had been killed by someone who used a stand your ground defense. Defense in the murder of her son, a young another young black man. And so make no mistake about it, that what Mike DeWine did in signing that bill has only made it even more dangerous to be a black person living in the state of Ohio We're not going to talk about that I'm a, I'm going to hold all Of my Comments About that until we do a whole show about it But I just want you to know That's what's coming down the pipe On Freedom Talk in the next couple of weeks Among other things But we've got to talk about Georgia We've got to talk about this new administration And What we should be expecting Now that we've got the House, we've got the Senate, and we will have the presidency. With one thing we know we should be expecting, and this came out of President-elect Joe Biden's speech in his campaigning for Reverend Warnock, and as well as uh, Mr. Ossoff, is if you are a person Within a certain income level You should be expecting a $2,000 check A $2,000 check Because he said That if Raphael Warnock And John Ossoff wins It looks like Ossoff is going to win That He would support The distribution of $2,000 checks In the COVID relief As a part of COVID relief To Americans within an income range of what's about less than $80,000 or $100,000, $2,000 checks, $2,000 checks. And we got to hold them to that. We've got to hold them to that. Originally, it was $600 checks. And that's what the Republicans and the House, the Republicans in the Senate, who controlled the Senate and the House controlled by the Democrats in order to get it through. It was $600 that was agreed upon but then the President Trump, 45, lift, raised the stakes and said, no, I want $2,000. And he ended up signing the bill for the six, that included the $600 in the COVID relief package. But it was President-elect Biden himself who then said that he would advocate and he would sign a $2,000 relief check um, distributed to... Working Americans and two Americans During this pandemic And so we got to hold them to it We got to hold them to it Because a elected official And a politician is only as good as their word Is only as good as the promises they make of what they'll do when they are in office And so that's number one Right That is number one That's number one That that, that moves to the front of the line Because we know how devastating This impact has been on businesses, on black businesses in particular. We've seen reports that a number of black businesses will not be returning, as much as 40% will not be able to return because of the impact. And, you know, there's this kind of delicate balance of being a wanting to support black businesses, but at the same time, want to protect your health and people being forced to make tough choices. But we see how this virus is in our community, particularly African American communities and minority communities, and it's having a devastating effect. It's having a devastating effect on businesses, devastating effect on people's health, a devastating effect on people's mental health. And so the challenge becomes people have to, are being forced or are being pressured or feeling the pressure or obligation to support businesses, right, to keep them open and at many times or sometimes putting their own health at risk wherein we have a government of which we pay taxes right that just 4 years ago gave trillion a 2 trillion dollar tax cut right a 2 trillion dollar tax cut to the wealthiest Americans right but we can't bridge our businesses through difficult times bridge our businesses through these difficult times so small businesses Um, Middle-sized businesses can manage And people don't have to prop them up By putting their own selves at risk By frequenting them By going to restaurants Or going to the barbershop And putting themselves at vulnerable risk When we have a government That collects our taxes That has trillions of dollars of resources and can give money to the wealthy but can't give it to those who need it both working people and uh, hard working and hard um uh hard hard working business people as as well so that's something that we have got to keep our eye on ensuring that the president-elect Lives up to that promise. I have no reason to think that he will not. And I can only imagine how to those who are listening, how those two thousand dollar checks will make a difference. And I think it's a sliding scale. Everybody won't get two thousand, um, you know, but people need to get something, some kind of relief, eviction, relief, all kinds of relief. That can be mustered to help people, both businesses and families, Make it through um, In addition to that What else should we be looking for I'll tell you what we should look, be looking for Voting rights We gotta be looking for voting rights Because we have seen And we'll talk about this later We're gonna talk about this later we, we have seen When people speak What they have to say The majority of people in this country And you can bet with the significant impact that the vote of African-Americans, the leadership demonstrated by African-American women, particularly the vote of Latinos, the vote of Asian community, communities of color, the LGBTQ community, Students, young people, people that are concerned about health care, you can't be assured that the state legislatures in this country, which are predominantly controlled by Republicans, will do everything they can between now to now and the midterm elections and the next presidential election. To further stifle voting rights in this country You can bet your bottom dollar on it That they are going to try And so getting this voting rights bill Into law that provides a national standard And a national rules of expectation And national guidelines National protections And to protect the franchise, that everybody should have access to free and fair elections, not suppressed by efforts to disenfranchise people just because they don't vote the way that you want, you can bet your bottom dollar they are going to try to ensure that what happened in November of 2020 I said I wasn't going to call this name no more. November of last year and what happened yesterday in Georgia does not happen again. And the only way or one of the major ways that we can do that and ensure that we are protected against that reprisal is to pass a Voting Rights Act. The John Lewis, what people call them, the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the modern day Voting Rights Act, because we know what was gutted by the, the Shelby Versus hold a decision in uh, some years ago in the Supreme Court, and the Voting Rights Act had to be revised. It has been. Now we need to pass it so we can protect people's right to vote because we know they're coming. We know they're coming because when the people speak, we already know what they have to say. The majority of them. Listen, when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple other things that we should be expecting from this administration with the. Monumental vote that took place in Georgia that gives the potentially gives the Democrats control of the Senate. We will be right back. One day when the war is won, we will be sure we will be sure. One day when the glory comes. And we are back. Freedom Talk Radio is back on the air. They're not just back from a break, but we are back again for a new year. And we are ready. We're ready to talk about what's going on. And we've been talking for the last few last few segments. We've been talking about what we should expect coming out of this new administration. That's right. The victory in Georgia by Reverend Raphael Warnock, who I cannot speak I can't speak more highly of. I've known this brother for almost 30 years. Going back when I was a student at Morehouse, and he was a graduate of Morehouse, and we were mentored and trained by some of the same people. We've been friends for some years, and he is one who I've admired, I've looked up to. He is we have preached for each other over the years. I consider him a friend and a brother, and I can tell you, I can tell you, there is not a finer person that we can send with a greater moral conscience, a greater prophetic, a prophetic zeal, a more civil understanding and humane respect for others, even those whom he disagrees with. Let me tell you, the Senate is in better hands with Raphael Warnock going to it. And we hoping for him and John Ossoff that this will be one of his the most historic Congresses in the history of this country with the legislation that we are looking to see passed by and signed by this president. We also know expanding health care is an important priority of this administration. That's right. We have heard it has been a part of the call of Democrats, progressives, centrists, Moderate We need to improve the healthcare system In this country now We got people on all sides of this We have got people talking about Medicare for all We got people talking about We got people talking about Having a public option Let me tell you Where do I stand? Let me tell you where I stand I stand on having universal access To free and affordable healthcare Universal access to free and affordable healthcare No one should be Go bankrupt for healthcare because of because of health issues in America. Nobody should, because they are not working, not have access to health care. No one should have a disproportionate amount of their wages going toward health care over against their salary because of a a corporate structure. Or a market-driven structure as it relates to providing healthcare in this in this country. Listen, we have got to make sure that everyone has access, and how that looks, what that looks like, whether that's Medicare for all, whether that is expanding the government's supplemental uh, resources for healthcare, supplemental funds for healthcare to make sure it's affordable for everyone, whether that is taxing wealthier Americans and wealthier Americans to make sure that everyone can have equal access to quality health care, same health care that the people in the Congress have, the same health care that the President of the United States have, people in this country should have access to who, to that same health care, and if they want to have something that provides even greater insurance or greater coverage, they can have access to that, but nobody in this country in this country, should have uh, a lack of access to quality health care, just like we have access to to uh, you have right to access to quality education. You should have access to quality health care. And we know there's a lot of discussion, and debate about it. But whatever's going to get us to universal access, I'm for it. Let the debate take place. But let's make sure that that it takes place and let's make sure that everybody has. Quality health care, quality health care coverage. Nobody's going bankruptcy. Nobody's dealing with medical debt in this country because of medical debt, I can, that's another thing we got to do a show on. We've got to do a show on medical debt because medical debt is killing people in this in this country. And and there are a lot of people that have been stepping up and I want to talk about that, how we can be more involved in that. That's another thing that we've got to be addressing in this country. You know, something else we've talked about is raising the minimum wage. Maves raising that minimum wage, that's right. You know, the minimum wage, I saw, a, I, I saw a graphic, I saw a graphic that talked about the number of states were raising the minimum wage and it included Ohio. And, you know, you got states that have passed, you know, raising minimum wage to $15, right? $15, several dollars over the next several years and getting them to $15 and then raising it with inflation each and every year accordingly or cost of living. And they had among the states that are raising the minimum wage, they had Ohio. And I want to say it was like 10 cents right that that minimum wage in Ohio is going up 10 cents and it's already what is it seven something you know what is it seven something I mean it's it's not that much and a seven dollars or 10 cent increase of minimum wage of 10 cents that's not gonna do much that's not gonna do much it's 855. Let me give you, it's 855. And it it's gone up. That's right. It is going up from 870. Watch this. From 870 to 880. Did you hear what I said? That that the minimum wage in Ohio is going up a grand 10 cents. Can you imagine? I'm being facetious. What that's gonna do for somebody. So it's not, we're not even talking about. minimum wage. We're talking about we've got to get to $15. We got to get to $15. It will make a difference. It will significantly, because when the minimum wage was, when the minimum wage was first conceived of, it was not conceived of as a minimum wage. It really was conceived of as a living wage. That's the way Franklin Roosevelt perceived it. He sees it as a living wage and it has gone from a living wage idea to a minimum wage idea. But it is so critical that we make this change because we have seen how it is not kept up with inflation. It is not kept up with the original vision for it. It is not kept up with uh, the goal of making sure that there is a true floor for people to still have a quality of life in this, in this country. And we have seen how CEOs and the wealthy in this country, you know, there was a piece that talked about in the midst of the pandemic, um, the number of billionaires who just their wealth skyrocketed, skyrocketed. And, you know, listen, one thing that nobody's ever going to begrudge anybody um, that I know of in the black community is, we're not going to hate on somebody making, making money if you do it honorably. More power to you, more power to you. But it speaks to the level of disparity where the rich are getting richer and the poor are not getting a break. And so that's why it's so critical that one of the first things I would say in the first 100 days, uh, over the, at least the first year that Joe Biden has to do, He's got to get that minimum wage. He's got to raise that minimum wage. And we've got to make sure and hold people accountable to make sure that 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 happens. In addition to that, we've also talked about education in America. We talked about education in America, but not only have we talked about that, but it has been a key piece of this administration's promises and commitments. And again, with this Senate and the House, there's no reason why it should not take place. No reason why I should not take place. And what is that? That is a suspension. Joe Biden's committed to suspending 10% or forgiving not 10%, but $10,000 of everyone's student loans, federal student loans in America. $10,000. Thank you very much. Let me tell you for a person like myself who had a uh small mortgage to get through college uh, I can certainly appreciate that, and it would make a tremendous difference not just for me, but a whole lot of people. I think they should do more than ten thousand dollars, and because let me tell you, that co- that the money spent on uh, uh, paying for college that should be viewed as an investment. It should be viewed as an investment, and so I think that we are also looking at the prospect based on promises made by the administration creating free access to 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 community college that's right free access to community college these are the promises that were made and because these promises are made these promises need to be kept we have seen people preach to a younger generation the importance of getting out the vote we've seen celebrities we've seen athletes we've seen people go to the polls in Georgia, a hundred thousand more people voted in this January election than voted in the November presidential election. If you want to keep people engaged in the vote, we've got to fulfill the promises that we made that were made by those who were running for office. But what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to hold them, hold them accountable. And let me tell you, if we think that. The hard work is over. Let me tell you, the hard work has just begun. The voting just gives puts us in a position, and I've always said this, and that is that for black folk in America, we're just trying to get back to zero because we're so behind on so many things. We're so behind on criminal justice. We're so behind when it comes to access to quality education. We're so behind when it comes to access to Healthy, healthy living and healthy living environments were so behind. We just trying to get back to zero. And what is back? What is zero? Technically is back to balance when the odds are even so we can build on. We can build on the promises that are the every person in this country for the American, for the American dream. I too sing America. I am the Docker brother. They send me back to when company comes with all the while I laugh and I eat well for tomorrow. No one will send me back to the back when company comes besides they'll see how beautiful I am because I too am America Langston Hughes, Langston Hughes. And so it is so important what we have seen out of every pundit who have analyzed this election is that African-Americans have been a critical, critical part of these victories in Georgia. God bless Stacey Abrams. Stacy Abrams, who put her own political aspirations to the side so for the next few years, she could focus on organizing people and she was the tip of the spear There's a whole lot of people and organizations that worked in Georgia that made this happen but she was the tip of the spear became kind of the the symbolic representative of this movement and I believe she should have been the time woman of the year uh Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were the time people of the year I think it's, it's respectable I think I can see why but I believe that Stacey Abrams should have been the time person of the year. She is the time person of the year. She is my person of the year. My wife and I were talking about that this morning because what she and the people of Georgia did in this election in November and in January, they have changed the course of this country. And she, when she came to the Olivet Institutional Baptist Church, um, a few years ago, and she spoke for our Women's Day. She, like Reverend Warnock, she is the salt of the earth. When it comes, to these are the kind of people that we want in public life. These are the kind of people that have a, who have moral courage, have prophetic vision, have political imagination, have and have a civil decency about them that allows them to speak truth to power and not and not do it in an ugly way. But they are fierce fighters for the least of these. And I am just so proud um, to be connected to them. And I'm so proud that they are represent where we are going and where this country is headed. And we have got to make sure that the Democrats, the president, his administration, those who are in that House and that Senate and in that White House recognized that we did not put them there to only go halfway. We did not put them there. We voted for change. Change is a coming. Change should be afoot, and change is what we expected. Listen, this is Freedom Talk Radio. When we come back in our last segment, we're going to talk about... Where we, do we go from here in Ohio? Where do we go from here in Calhoun County? What lessons can we learn? Listen, this is Freedom Talk Radio. I'm your host, the Reverend Juwan's Kareem Cove, and we will be right back. When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. And we are back, this is Freedom Talk Radio, and we are talking about the monumental impact of the election in Georgia on last night. John Ossoff seems to be leading and is looks like he is headed toward a victory. The projected winner, Raphael Warnock, they have... Changed the course of this country The people in Georgia have done it Georgia you are on my mind I'm wearing my Morehouse College Shirt as we speak Morehouse Home is in Atlanta Georgia on a red clay Hill in Atlanta Georgia I've got Georgia on my mind and all Of us owe a debt of Gratitude to the people of Georgia That came out A 100,000 more people voted In the special election, the runoff election for the US Senate, then ran, then came out to vote in the presidential election in November of last year. I told you I wasn't gonna call call it what I call I wasn't gonna call it by name. Last year. Last year. That's right. You and our rearview mirror. But what can we learn? What can we learn? Because you know it's interesting that what is happening in Georgia and in places like Fulton County, Gwinnett County, DeKalb County, these are all major counties in the metropolitan area of Atlanta, is the exact opposite of what we see happening in Cuyahoga County and in places like Cleveland. And that is, we're seeing a reduction of voters, black voting, voters overall. We're seeing a fewer people going out to the polls. Georgia, you're seeing an increase. What do they have? And what's taking place in Georgia that's not taking place here? Well, at one level, we've got to talk about and look at Ohio is trending older and whiter. And less diverse. Older, whiter, and less diverse. Georgia is trending younger, more diverse, with a growing population. Ohio is losing population. Ohio is not a very diverse state. Economic opportunities in Ohio are waning while in Georgia and a lot of places in the South, from Virginia, North Carolina, even in South Carolina, to Georgia You see economic opportunities And people are flooding To the research triangle in North Carolina We People are flooding To the metro Atlanta area People are, are flooding To these parts of the country Why? Because They represent where the country is headed More diverse More um, More educated uh, More opportunities And Ohio is not going in that same direction. When you have stay, your grand bi- stay on your ground bills being signed in the law, your state ain't going in the right direction. Your state's not going in the right direction. And when you think about how Ohio used to be a bellwether, Ohio would tell you where the presidential election is going. Well, We were wrong in this past November. Georgia is going to be trending toward being a bellwether. And so we're going to see how Ohio is going to no longer represent that kind of um, indicator of where the political winds are are going. Because Ohio is is not reflecting where the country is headed. And I think it was... Brent Larkin, the columnist Long, uh, many years Columnist for the Plain Dealer, who in a Column Some years ago, a couple years ago He talked about how you might as well Say that Ohio's becoming more like Mississippi And when you look at some of the Social indicators of Mississippi And dem- demography And the demographics, that is not where We want to be, right In know, Also you could make an argument Whereas Georgia Is and this is another show we need to do And I need to write all these down Whereas Georgia and Metro Atlanta Is a place that is high on the list Of where black people want to live And are is good for black people Cleveland and Ohio is not And that's not based on opinion That's just based on facts Poverty economic opportunity, uh, progressive politics, black middle class, thriving, robust uh, black cultural, uh, black cultural uh, institutions, thriving black church life. That does not exist here. Like it does in places like Charlotte and North Carolina. It doesn't exist here like it exists like in places like New York City. And so and this is challenges that you have in other places like uh, Detroit. Even though I would argue that Detroit has some stronger black cultural institutions than we do here. And not to say we don't have some tremendous assets because we do like Caramel Caramel House, but after Caramel House and a few, few others, that list starts getting real short. Right? But so you could argue, and again, with the stand your ground laws, and when you look at how this, this it wasn't even competitive, the people voting overwhelmingly for Trump in this state, you could argue that Cuyahoga County, Cleveland is not a great place for black people in comparison to Washington, D.C., in comparison to Charlotte, in comparison to Atlanta. And what are we committed to doing to change that? What are we committed to doing to giving people? Because people voting is reflect or lack of voting is reflective of how they feel about the political process, the ability for politics to really make a change in their life. Remember, here we are, In a city where only 14% of the people came out to vote in the mayoral election Only 14% And so Not only do we have voter suppression We got voter depression in this town Because we have not delivered on enough promises That moves people out of poverty that moves people in a trajectory. And I've given credit where credit is due. i said say yes is a win for this community, but say yes is not enough. We got to get rid of cash bail. We can't just have great organizations like the United Black Fund, like the Cleveland Foundation and others who are supporting getting people out of jail. We need to abolish the cash bail system in this country. The cash bail system in this City The cash bail system in municipal court We need to abolish it Not just And we need to do a show about that as well Right So the, the, And so not only do we gotta Drum up the interest in voting And engage people around the importance of voting Right But we gotta give them something in an interest To Have something and someone To truly vote for because I remember I was talking with somebody uh, who's, who does work in a community and, you know, after the last, you know, several months of challenges, they said, pastor, they're running out of lies. They're running out of lies. And what he was saying was that the, politics, said, the politicians are running out of lies. He was like, they, they can't sell nothing no more. They can't sell anything anymore. And so we've got to have an agenda and not this kind of this uh, sleepy, Kind of sleepy at the wheel Approach the politics That's just kind of You know Custodial politics You know Custodians who work hard Do a great job But their job is just Kind of just keep things You know Keep things good Keep things going Keep the doors open And locked And unlocked And make sure things Are operating We can't, can't We got to get rid of Custodial politics In Cleveland And in order to do that We got to be Committed to giving people something worthwhile voting for and not just more of the same. Because that's all we got right now. We just got more of the same. More of the same. More of the same. We get a few blips of accomplishment, achievement. But hell, what's that? What's, a, what's one blip when you've had an administration here for three and four terms? Right? We got to have more than that. We got to have more from the county council. We got to have more from the mayor. We got to have more from the city council because if you, because those people in Georgia came out because they believe they, they have tasted, they have tasted what change looks like in their own lives, the own opportunity, their own opportunities. They have seen black success, right? They don't believe in poverty politics. They believe in, they believe in a trajectory of success, Right. Both in. And there's a history of that. There's a legacy of that. And we got that here. We got that here. Right. We got this. We got that here in Cleveland. We're known with the Stokes, with the Stokes. We've got that here. But we but we don't we lack the infrastructure. And one can argue that since the passing of Arnold Pinckney, May he rest in peace that the black political infrastructure in Cleveland and you could say in this county has fallen apart and we don't have the infrastructure to duplicate what they did in in Georgia, what they were able to do in the heart of Atlanta, going out to Gwinnett County, going out to Cobb County, going out to Chatham County, going out to um, DeKalb County. We don't have the infrastructure because people are more interested in getting themselves elected than they are trying to change the course of this county, change the course of this state and change the course of this country. Those people in Georgia change the course of the country. And they did it by mobilizing. They did it about organizing and getting past individual agendas and electoral politics. Of getting elected and re-elected To building a base and an infrastructure That change the course of this nation We may owe A voting rights act The expansion of healthcare The raising of the minimum wage the The protection of our environment The forgiveness of student loans Free access to Healthcare and free access to Community college We may owe that to the people of Georgia, along with a whole lot of other people, because they put personal politics aside and they put the people's politics and community-based grassroots organizing at the heart of what they did. And when they did that, we might as well call it what it was, the Georgia miracle. But it wasn't just a miracle. It was the Georgia people putting in that work. Listen, I got to go. It's been great to be with you. I look forward to being back with you again each and every week going through this year. Listen, let me share this with you before we go. Where the mind goes, your energy grows. Where your mind goes, your energy grows. Listen, Cleveland, stay positive. I'll see you on the other side next week. Freedom Talk Radio, we are out of here.